You are now listening to Tough Gages Podcast. Welcome back to Talk Your Jits Podcast. This podcast is, as the name implies, all about jiu-jitsu. I'm your host, Lamar Smith. And today's guest is a brown belt who trains at Phoenix Jiu-Jitsu, located in Hickory, North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, Daniel Friedel. Hey, how's it going? How's it going, sir? Not too bad, man. Man, that's that's awesome. Well, first and foremost, man, I appreciate you coming on the show and uh, blessing us with your jiu-jitsu knowledge. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, how long have you been training? Um, coming up on six years in May. Okay, cool. Yeah, that's good. Now, what uh, what affiliation are y'all with? Uh, we are under Master Joe Moera. Okay, gotcha. I've heard the name, but I don't know much about him personally. Uh, okay. Yep. So, um, he was trained under Grandmaster Francisco Mansour. Okay. And he was trained under the Gracie. So that, well, obviously everybody lead back to a Gracie, but that's the, yeah. you know, the, the, the lineage right there. Okay, cool. Our lineage is actually under Henzo. So, you know, obviously okay. Henzo brings back to Carlos Jr., Carlos Sr., all that. But um, actually my instructor is Jason Beber, and his instructor is Derek Richardson, and his instructor is Master Henzo. So we're a little bit removed from the direct line of the lineage, but not too far. Not too far. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yep. Well, uh, let's get started, man. If you want to, you know, formally introduce yourself again, by all means, and uh, let's hear about your jujitsu journey. Oh yeah. You know, I'm, I'm Daniel. Uh, I've been doing jujitsu for coming up on 12 years now. And honestly, it's one of the best things I've ever done. You know, I mean, everybody says that it's a very common response, but for me, it really was. I mean, you know, now I'm a full-time instructor in my academy. I'm a personal trainer upstairs. So we have the jujitsu mats and the kickboxing downstairs, and we have a full uh, fitness studio upstairs. So I'm a personal trainer up there. And, you know, whenever I first got in jujitsu, I was just working a warehouse job. Didn't really have any real purpose in life. Didn't know exactly what I wanted to do with my life. I just knew that I liked working out. And one of my friends introduced me to jujitsu when I was – what, 22, maybe 23. And mm-hmm. as soon as I got introduced, I started doing it five days a week and I've just never quit. So. Yeah. <laughs> just, just that addicting, that addicting. Yeah, it really was, man. It was, it was pretty interesting. And uh, funny enough at blue belt, I competed at Naga and that was the first like trophy or medal or anything I had ever won from like, uh, mm-hmm. A physical competition you know i was a book nerd all through school i've got all kind of trophies and certificates from things that i did as far as like writing spelling bees all of that stuff but i had mm-hmm. a childhood asthma to where until i was about 14 years old i'd go up a small flight of steps and i just couldn't breathe without my inhaler when i turned oh, 14 wow. yeah when i turned 14 it was like somebody just flipped a switch and it disappeared but you know at 14 you know i was a sophomore no yeah, sophomore in high school. So it was too mm-hmm. late to start wrestling. It was too late to start baseball, basketball, anything like that, because everybody else has been doing it since middle school. So I didn't really have anything that I wanted to do until I found martial arts. So is um, jiu-jitsu, uh, jiu-jitsu is your only 
uh, martial art or? No, I did Muay Thai before uh, finding jujitsu. It just, you know, it was a great group of guys. It really was. I mean, we were very close friends, but none of us actually knew how to train other than just sparring. You know, we would mm-hmm. meet and would go over two or three little situational drills, and then we sparred for an hour. And I was mm-hmm. the smallest one by probably, I don't know, 30, 40 pounds. So I just oh. kept taking beatings. And like I said, it wasn't like the guys were bullies. They weren't intentionally trying to hurt me, but none of us knew that, hey, you can't spar 100% four days, five days a week without taking a lot of damage, you know? Mm-hmm. So after a while, I'm like, man, waking up with a headache every morning can't be good for my brain, you know? So I started looking around and one of my lifting buddies was a high school wrestler and he had started doing jujitsu in like a buddy's garage. You know, there was a guy who said he was a purple belt. I don't really think that he was now, (laughs) but he said he was a purple belt and he would like show us some stuff. And then we would, you know, out, which was my lifting buddy, he would work in some of the wrestling too. So we would do that for a while and, you know, you can go hundred percent in jujitsu and not really hurt anybody as long as you're not locking out submissions hard. Mm-hmm. Then we start doing that and I'm like, man, this is way better. Like I like this a lot more. So that's what mm-hmm. kind of pushed me into it. And I still do a little bit of Muay Thai, a little bit of kickboxing every now and then, but nothing on a regular basis. Gotcha. 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 Yeah. Um, just going back to what you were saying about, like, I guess you want to say, like, achievements when it comes to, uh, like, come to like jujitsu. Like, I've I've played little league football, uh, and I've I've won trophies for like you know defense defensive player of the year and all this other stuff. And uh, yeah, they were cool, but like the 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 two medals that I've you know won in jujitsu, I, I stare at them like every day. <laughs> you know, <so laughs> yeah. Like yeah, you know, I came in second, second in my first one, and third in the uh, in the second one. But mm. it's still to me, it's like it's still that real great accomplishment that you, you know that I've I've done it. You know, oh, yeah, on my on my own. Well, I guess you see, yeah, on my own. So yeah, I definitely get that. Yeah, but, that's um, kind of the. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say that's kind of the like odd part about jujitsu too is while it's an individual sport it's also very much a team sport you know Mm -hmm. so with me like i still have all my trophies and everything don't get me wrong but i really just hang them up in the gym so we have like a excuse me we have this big like glass counter to where like most people sell products and stuff out of we just have all of our Mm -hmm. like team trophies and belts and medals and all that stuff just kind of thrown in there so that's where Mm -hmm. all my stuff is and to me like don't get me wrong i'm very proud of my accomplishments as well but just the team that we've built that pushes us to do that type of stuff means a lot to me too like i really i enjoy the brotherhood of it so that's one of the Mm -hmm. reasons why like my jujitsu medals even the medals that i've won for like men's physique competitions and all that stuff stay in the gym itself i don't i don't like taking much of that stuff home yeah yeah like i said it's it's very much an individual thing but you know your training partners are just as important Oh yeah. yeah so yeah. yeah. Definitely, definitely love the guys I train with and wouldn't trade them for the world. Nah, man, you make very tight bonds very early on too, you know. <laughs> like people come in the first week. We don't really treat them like outsiders, but I mean, you know, they're new people. Mm-hmm. You don't really know like can I go hard on him? Like is he gonna get pissed off and like go into a rage or is he gonna be timid and quit, you know? Mm-hmm. But after a couple of weeks, you're like, Oh yeah 
he's been here forever. You know, <laughs> we know him. Like we've had good roles. We've smashed him a little bit. He smashed us a little bit. Like you're just automatically part of the family after that. You know? Yeah, it's 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 an instant. Yeah. Some of our violence is bringing people close together. It's wild, man. And but I mean, you look at all the research that's come out on oxytocin. You know, like every human needs oxytocin for just serotonin production, everything else. And you get your daily requirement of oxytocin out of like a 30 second hug. But what do you mm. think you do with four or five minute rounds back to back of being that close with another human? You know, you get a huge rush of endorphins, adrenaline, yeah. oxytocin, everything. Oh, he's pretty wild. That's crazy. I didn't even think about that. Like I heard about mm. like, you know, like a 30 second hug, but we're talking 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And like, so it's, it's having- overload, but- yeah, there hasn't been a lot of research done on this side of the thing, but, um, you know, a lot of uh, PTSD or PTSD, excuse me, mm-hmm. sufferers like talk about how jujitsu really helps them out. You know, I mean, they kind of get that camaraderie between them. And also, I think it's part of that as well. You know, I mean, you get mm-hmm. to struggle really hard and your lizard brain gets to kind of go off and think, hey, I'm in a fight for life right now. But at the same time, you know that you're having fun with your training partner and you're learning new things. You know, even when you're yeah. the male, you're getting a good lesson in. So. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like um, these last couple of weeks, uh, I've been having like, you know, be, be like between uh, recordings. I was uh, like, like, you know, like a couple of weeks Friday, I was sitting there, got done. So I text one of my training partners like, uh, you know, what are you, what are you doing right now? Are you, are you busy around seven? He's like, nah, I was like, we want to meet at the gym. So yeah, so we did that. And that's all I could think about for the rest of the week was like how good it felt to just roll. You know, we just rolled for like a good 10, 15 minutes, you know, talked, fixed some stuff, rolled some more, blah, blah, blah. And then like yesterday we, you know, we, we, uh, we did it again. It was like, man, I'm, I'm really enjoying just this, just rolling, you know, it's not a class. It's just me and him. We roll a couple of times, vent, and then we go home. Yeah. So love yeah. it. Love it. Love I, it. Love it. Honestly, man, there's, you know, we have these conversations all the time, you know, like you like gee better or no gee better. You like live drilling better. Or do you like, you know, just rolling or situational drills? And dude, I'm a big fan of all of it. And I really yeah. think that you need to give all of it equal parts, you know, like, I've been in it for a while. I've, uh, you know, broken some ribs, dislocated some shoulders, popped my knee a couple weeks ago. And it's really like you kind of, you learn to back off of it a little bit, you know, like through blue belt and purple belt. I just wanted to roll hard all the time. And then you Mm -hmm. start getting these injuries stacked up a little bit here and there. And you start kind of seeing the benefit of doing like situational drilling or just flow rolls at 50% and, all of that. And, you know, and the same thing with gi and no gi. I mean, to me, that's like choosing between one of my kids. Like, I love both of them. I think both I of them are extremely important. Yeah. 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 But oh, one thing sure, I will say sure. about that, one thing I will say about that is I always suggest people do more gi training because you can do no gi grips with a gi on, but you can't do gi grips with no gi on. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you really want to work on your gripping strategy, even if you just have the gi on and you never use it, then that's still better. You know what I mean? You have those yeah. other options available. If you go no gi, you're not getting lapel chokes. You know, your pendulum sweep is going to be a lot more difficult. Mm-hmm. So I think it's pretty important to use the gi at least every now and then. And two, 
And we got some guys here that just train Nogi and they don't get rank. Like, what do you need a belt for if you don't wear a gi? You know, you want to be promoted mm-hmm. to a blue or a purple belt, but you never wear a gi. What do you need a belt for? Right. So. Yeah, we are um, a gi predominant school. And mm-hmm. uh, so, like, when I roll with him on Fridays or when we have open mats, I just roll no gi. Mm-hmm. And this for that particular reason, because, like, you know, you need that, that good balance and – I'm at that point where, you know, being a brown belt, I'm trying to save my fingers. So, yeah. you know, just constantly, you know, rolling and repping and ghee is like I give my fingers a break, but it trains my mind not to hunt for like just grabbing lapel or grabbing, you know, sleeves until I actually need to. So just it just saves my saves my forearms and fingers, man. Oh, and there's nothing wrong with that. And like with me, I don't do a lot of what I call the competition guards. So I'm not really big on lasso or spider guard or hitting De La Riva or anything like that. I'm more of yeah. a, I wouldn't say traditionalist by any means, because I still love the leg lock game and stuff like that. But I just don't enjoy playing with those. Like spider guard tears my fingers to bits, man. I've blown out. You can kind of see I've blown out a couple of knuckles already. And so my knuckles are already a little janky. So I'm not trying to do any more of that. Like I'll get there just to play with it. So I do know the sweeps off of it if I get forced in that position. And obviously right. I know the defense to it if somebody gets me into it. But those just mm-hmm. aren't fun guards for me to play with. So I stay away from right. them. Yeah. I yeah, like I said, I'll I'll mess around a little bit with spider, but yeah, I'm not I'm not grabbing like the sleeves, no. Cause they skate. That's like they go. They want to snatch away, and then it's like fingers getting drugged. I'm like, nah, man, nope. Yeah, especially in spider, because one of my favorite escapes is literally just stepping on their hamstring and ripping mm-hmm. the lapel or ripping the sleeve away from them. And like I said, I mean, if you're biting down hard on that lapel whenever they pull, it hurts bad. It hurts like a yeah. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if they got a rough gear. <laughs> oh yeah, one of those like rip stop. <laughs> geese where it feels like it's taking your skin off with it yeah that's terrible uh, it's like they walking around with tatami mats on man just it just cheese grater uh geese man oh yeah oh man but uh so do you um do you compete i compete once at every belt level i'm not a big fan of uh like doing the competition and stuff mainly because like i said i got family and it's just hard to you know, take out an entire Saturday to stand around and wait for my matches to come up. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I told my instructor, Beber, that I compete once at every belt level. He was like, cool, I'll take that. So whenever I there's like a big competition coming up and we have a lot of students going, me and him will both go, and that way we're both there to coach as well. But mm-hmm. I'll just compete while I'm there. So I'm not a big fan of competition. I mean, we've got a couple of real heavy competitors. we got uh, J.D. Smith here. He's, I think, currently 10th in IBJJF for his uh, class. So, I mean, he's mm-hmm. a very solid competitor, very solid purple belt. Older dude, just real thick and short. So, he's hell to play with, especially if you let him get in half guard. He's one of those guys who goes deep half and just throws you on your head no matter what you do. So, he's pretty he's pretty savvy when it comes to the competition grips and, like, the playing more towards the points over getting submissions. Mm. Now, don't get me wrong, he's a finisher, too. He's got plenty of submission finishes. But he's really like that competition mindset. You know, like, mm. the only reason I'm going to bottom is because you took the top position away from me. 
You know, he'll mm. never choose to go bottom just because he wants to work on stuff. He's always running mm. that one game plan through his head. And it's awesome. You know, we've got a lot of – or not a lot. We've got some competitors like that. But to me, man, just the anxiety of it and taking an entire day out for it. And, you know, we live in Hickory, North Carolina, so we have one competition that's Naga that comes to Hickory. Everything else, you got an hour to hour and a half drive to get down to like mm. Indian Trail or Concord, one of the bigger places where the competitions come to. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yep. How about you? Yeah, it is. Um, I sure. Let's put like because um, <laughs> it's I'm because I'm still teetering on the idea. I've done um two so far. I want to do uh. I think it's Grapple Industries in April. Mm-hmm. So I've been really playing around with the idea of, of competing more often. Yeah. So that's why I say like, yeah, sure. I guess you want to say I like to compete, but you know, we'll, we'll see how the, these next few go, but yeah, it is a, a freaking stressful induced day. Yeah. Cause it really it's like you, you, it's, you get there, you have to be there early because you mm-hmm. don't know when your bracket is going to start. And then you don't know who's in your bracket. And then you don't know how many people's in your bracket. So you're going to be all, there all day or you're going to be there for like 30 minutes. You don't know. So <laughs> it's yeah. just a whole day just filled with just, man, just just a clusterfuck of stuff that goes on with these tournaments. Yeah. And Smooth Comp has made that a lot easier. Like yeah. your times are pretty well posted. You kind of have an idea as to who's in your bracket and all that stuff. But again, man, it's just it's who shows up and it's how fast the matches are going. You know, so mm-hmm. like my last competition, I'd been a brown belt for maybe a month whenever I did my last competition. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm hopping on smooth comp, looking it up. And my uh, advanced Nogi um, class was like six people on, you know, Thursday. And I'm like, oh, OK, cool. You know, there's going to be plenty of people turning out for the advanced Nogi. And I feel pretty confident with my Nogi stuff just because I do like leg locks and a lot of places still don't really train them that heavily. Mm-hmm. So I show up, uh, or no, Friday night, that we're down to three people in my bracket. I'm like, okay, some people must have figured out that Charlotte isn't Hickory, you know? <laughs> you want to travel Because Naga still had it as Naga Charlotte, but it was in Hickory, North Carolina. So a lot of people um, like that mess with them. And uh, hang on a second, I got something going on my speakers. But anyways... So they left it as Naga Charlotte, but it was in Hickory, which, like I said, is the next 45 minutes to an hour out, depending on where you're at. And then, uh, like, the morning of, I show up, and it's down to me and one other person. I'm like, okay, well, at least I'll get a match. You know, like, I've signed up for Gee uh, Brown Belt and uh, Black Belt Absolute because they put brown and black together. Yeah. So I'm like, cool, at least I'll get a no-gee match, and then I'll have my gee guys. So we get through there and like I'm standing on the mat and they're calling the guy's name. Nothing. Like five minutes later, I'm like, dude, just call him again. Just call him one more time. Like at this point, you know, I'm like on it. I know when my match was. I'm good and warmed up. I'm feeling great. Nothing. So I just got a walk on belt, you know, like it wasn't uh, even like I got first place medal. This was actually for a belt. So I'm like, all right, whatever. He didn't show up. So I'm supposed to have like an hour before my next match, which was going to be in the brown and black. It was me and three other black or no, two other black belts in this division. Mm-hmm. So I'm in there and I'm like, you know, my wife leaves and gets me some lunch and she comes back and I'm like halfway through a sandwich and I hear my name over the intercom. I'm like, what? I'm like looking at my watch. I'm like, Surely that wasn't me. 
And I go up there, and my first match is my instructor, Bever. Like, whenever he signed up, he was 20 pounds heavier than me, but there was literally – I think I was the only brown belt in the house, and there was, like, four other black belts there. So they just crammed the closest three into the same weight category. Uh. <laughs> me, I weighed in fully clothed with a bottle of water in my hand at, like, 172 pounds. Beber was walking around at, like, 200-plus. I think he cut down to, like, 196 or something. And then another uh, local black belt, Jeff Piercy, he was swinging at like 181, 182. So he was close to my weight class, but Beber's like two classes up. And I'm like, cool. And I like get out to the match and I see Beber waiting on me with a smile on his face. I'm like, great. This is fantastic. So, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm just doing my sandwich, throwing my gi on and everything. And the ref like looks over at the uh, scorecard. Like it says your name and then it says your gym down below it. And he's like, oh, you guys train together. I'm like, yeah, he's my instructor. He's like, oh, okay, well, you guys have fun. I'm like, this is going to be great. And so we get in there, and, you know, me and Beber have been trained together literally my entire jiu-jitsu career. So we've been training mm. together about 10 years at this point, 11, almost 12 now. And so we get in there, and we do what we always do, you know I mean, just – follows the same roadmap we always get to. And I was able to lock in an assassin's choke whenever he was trying to pass um, half guard. Or no, he got to side control, hit him with a Kimura sweep, and I took his back off of that. And he started dumping me, so I just locked up an assassin's choke on my way down to the ground. Ended up mm -hmm. beating him there. And then uh, right after that, I think I had like a three- or four-minute break before I got a hold of Jeff Piercy. And then we had a good match. He ended up catching me with a triangle, hit me with a mounted triangle. And when I went to roll him, I tried to tuck my elbow down so I could like roll him up and then pressure or pressure escape. And he just corrected with it, finished me with that. So, yeah, my first competition at Brown Belt, I was with two black belts who outweighed me and ended up taking second place in it. So I was pretty happy with that. That's dope. But yeah. Yeah. And I took uh, second out of two in the black belt absolute those guys didn't sign up for the absolute so it was just me and one other black belt in that one oh, so it's wow. pretty cool like i said i don't have an extensive competition record but i do like to compete once at every belt level that's cool that's cool but um yeah that's what happened um at my first tournament uh it was a tap uh tap out cancer mm -hmm. And you know, checking the brackets, it it had like maybe like sixteen purple belts. Hmm. So I was like, "Oh, we're gonna have a nice little turnout." So yeah, that's big for a purple belt bracket. Yeah, I, I I know. So I'm checking. I'm checking like every night, every night, and still same same amount of people, same amount of people. Get get there. Our tournament. I mean, our bracket didn't start. When, when it was supposed to. I think it was like a half hour, maybe an hour later than it's supposed to. And then come to find out, only six people showed up. Yep. And then they had to split because of the weight differences. So instead of doing a, a full bracket, it was three um, best, it was three best two out of three matches between the three weight okay. classes that yeah. they, that they uh, amalgamated together. So I was like, damn, I want to get two matches and then but that's that's how just how it plays man yeah unfortunately like you're gonna have a harder time at brown belt you know i mean with brown belt there's just so few of us out there you know like mm -hmm. you go to a competition 60 percent of it will be white belts 
And then yeah. that small 40%, probably 20% of those are blue belts. And then you got purple belt, which is a larger percentage. And brown belt, they're hard to find. And then you're black belt forever after that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, there's more black belts than there are brown belts. And that's why they kind of cram brown and black together in the same type of thing, which I understand why they do that. You know what I mean? Like you said, I would rather, especially with that Nogi fiasco that I went through, I would rather have one or two matches than pay a hundred bucks, show up. And, you know, a third of my matches was somebody I trained with on a daily basis. You know, <laughs> so I paid a hundred bucks and they gave me a belt, which is cool. You know I mean? Like I said, we hang it up in the gym. And then I rolled with my instructor who I roll with four days a week. And then I roll with two guys I've never rolled with before, you know? So was, right. I basically paid 50 bucks a match to get in there and work for that. So, yeah. but that's how it goes. I mean, you know, the competitions, if they would have more people turn out, they would be happy as well. So you mm -hmm. can't really control what the other people do. So I understand that part of it too. Yeah. I mean, I, me personally, like, you know, I, that's one thing I did notice uh, just following the, uh, like the competition scene about like, you know, once you get to like, purple the it just thins out very very fast mm -hmm. so you know i'm just i'm just doing it for the experience you know it's just get a chance to roll in a whole different like different atmosphere with somebody i don't know and just go out there and have fun to me yeah. to me it's just like an extra extra class extra open mat class and exactly yeah and that's the best way of looking at it but like i said with my anxiety i never see it that way i don't know what it is it just it just tears me up, man. Beber, you know, he does his best to try to calm me down because he's an excellent coach. If you watch any of my matches, it's literally like he's controlling me with a remote. Like you hear him say it and I do it. I try to like tune out everybody mm -hmm. and I just tune into his voice whenever he's moving. He's an excellent coach. But I'm like, man, I just, you know, I can't do it. I'm like in and out of the bathroom. I have no appetite. My heart rate's already at like 120. Like I have no clue what it is. And like you were saying, you know, I always just think about like, okay, this is just an open mat, another gym, you know, every time mm -hmm. I travel, I take my gi with me and I try to find a jujitsu gym there and I do open mats, you know I mean? Like there's no real stress to it from there, you know, but I don't know if it's mm -hmm. just performance anxiety or what, but I just, I'm not a big fan of that morning of thing, you know? But what was weird for you, I feel that way when I go visit another school. Oh, really? Yeah, like I oh, visit one of um one of our schools around here, uh, Voyager, uh, as if yeah, Voyager. Um, and one of the guys who who invited me, he was a he he did an episode with me, so I go I go there and it's like a good twenty, I want to say like twenty people, mm -hmm. like just you know just standing around getting ready for class, and I'm inside having a mini freak out. <laughs> I don't, I don't know why. I'm like, this is just jujitsu. Like, why am I having a freak out? So, like, you know, introduce myself, talk to everybody. But, like, after we, like, started, I got a little bit more comfortable. And then it just felt like home. But, like, yeah, if I go to, like, a tournament, I'm cool, chilling. I feel like I'm in my, I'm in my element. But I got you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild, man. Yeah. But now I've, uh, we've traveled a lot. Um I've traveled a little bit personally. Like I went down to a uh, Hilton head on vacation and there was this great mm. place down there. Unfortunately, they're not open anymore. I don't think they made it through the pandemic, but mm. it was called crossroads BJJ. You know, like we got down there on Sunday and I'm like, Oh cool. They got a Monday lunchtime class. Let's drop in for that. You know, like it's mm -hmm. every jujitsu gym I've been to has always been welcoming, you know, 
even whenever we went up to uh, Henzo Grace in New York, like our team used to do a yearly trip before the pandemic. Every year during February, they'd fly up and we'd get there on like Sunday, stay to Wednesday, and then fly back home. So that way I was able to hit the morning uh, Monday class that had a lot, a lot of the heavy competitors there in the lunchtime class. Mm-hmm. But even going up there, man, you know, I mean, you're brand new and they're like, oh, hey, man, my name is, you know, so-and-so. They just introduce themselves. You want to roll? And like, I've never had a bad experience with that. I've got caught up with one or two people here and there that got a little overly aggressive, you know, but mm-hmm. again, it's just like competition speed. It wasn't nothing insane. I've never had anybody like try to elbow me in the teeth or anything like that. So I've always had a good experience whenever I travel. Good. That's good. Yeah. And I'm, and that's what I'm stoked about because uh, we were planning on doing some like traveling this summer, um, mm-hmm. so we we're just gonna like hit a hit a few uh, jujitsu gyms, and I'm like so excited to like roll with more people. Yeah, yeah, it's always good. It's... And... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was just saying that like you know whenever you do competitions, you know, and like with facebook and everybody has like a team page and stuff you kind of already make friends throughout you know so a lot of my traveling is just you know maybe i went to a competition had a match with somebody and then we got talking afterwards you know and they always like hey man anytime you're in town come down and train i'm like cool i'll take you up on that you go down train Mm -hmm. with them you kind of already know them you know like we were talking about before you make connections so fast rolling with people that just it becomes fun you know yeah. So a lot of the local gyms around here, they'll come up to our place actually right now. Um, every Saturday from 12 to 2, we have an open mat. And it's just mm-hmm. free for everybody to come in. If you got competition coming up, come in, work on your stuff. Or, you know, we got people who are getting ready for their blue belt test. So they use the open mat as a way to kind of work on their technique and sharpen up everything and think about what what all is uh, on the blue belt test. Mm-hmm. So we see a lot of people through that, and we've got a lot of friends. Beber, he's at Purple Belt. He competed like 30 times. So he knows all kind of people throughout the jiu-jitsu community. Anytime you're going on vacation within the state, he's like, oh, cool. Make sure you swing by Blank and talk to Blank. Tell him I, to, tell him I said hey. You know, so he's very in-depth in the community. Nice, nice. And I'm, you know, with, with doing this podcast, I've met, you know, so many people across the, I guess you want to say across the world at this point. And just like when I see somebody that I'm friends with, you know, talking about finding their kid in martial art and I'm like, Oh, you know, what, what, where were you at? Oh, I'm in blah, blah, blah. Oh, I talked to XYZ and da, da, da. Go, go tell them, you know, Lamar sent you and XYZ and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's such a, a very like loving and humble community when it comes to jujitsu uh because you know it's just that that common love that we share for this sport and no matter who you are like you mentioned you doing jujitsu that's an instant family member oh yeah no yeah i've seen that a lot and you know there's a couple like you know i don't mean to be discouraging towards anybody but there's a couple mcdojos that you Mm -hmm. see and they're not a big fan of getting what they call intruders you know they don't want guests coming through because they know that they're not going to be able to hold their salt. But anytime you go somewhere to where you know who the instructor is, they're going to welcome you in, like you said, just like family. Mm-hmm. You know, like every time we go to Henzo's, man, I'm up there. I try to do every class on the schedule, but normally I have to miss one or two just because you're broken by that point. You know, I mean, you go up there to the blue basement, you get a hold of a bunch of killers up there. 
and it'll take me a week and a half to recover from it. Literally, <laughs> but it's just so much information. And like, if you ever go to Henzo's, it's right behind or not right behind, but it's on the same block as like Madison Square Garden, and they have okay. a blue basement, which is literally like sub level. And then their first level is kind of like an MMA setup. You know, like they have a very long rectangular mat and they have cages around three sides of it to where you can work cage work. And then their mm. second level is kind of like where the pros go. You know, so it's kind of not really closed gym, but when they have somebody in town, then it's closed. Like mm. you can always just walk up there. So we'll do Donaher or used to do Donaher's class in the basement. And then we'd walk up to the street level and film what was going on. You know, I mean, they don't like you filming their class, obviously, because, you know, they don't want you sharing their direct information. But yeah. we'd go upstairs and film it and just keep it for us so that we could train with it. But, man, everybody down there is just so cool. You know, like, first time I was there, I had a conversation with Gordon Ryan while we were waiting on the shower. You know, Jake Shields was there whenever I went. And it was just mm – -hmm. it was an awesome place. But, man, you just sit back and watch some of these guys go at. The craziest thing to this day that I've seen jiu-jitsu was we are at the Blue Basement – and I was sitting out in between rounds just trying to catch a breather. And it was Gary Tonin and Gordon Ryan. This was 18, maybe, 2018, 2019. Maybe been before. It might have been 2017. I think it's when I got my purple belt. But they were doing EBI overtime rounds, and it was 100 miles an hour. I mean, it was either, either escape or submit, and then they instantly restarted. There was no talking about what just happened. There was no looking over the information. Like it was literally, you snap your fingers and they were right back into it. As soon as there was oh, a submission, wow. snap your fingers, they were right back into it. And I mean, this was like eight minutes. Neither one of those guys were even breathing heavy, but they were just <sighs> explosive movement the entire time. And I'm just sitting there watching it. You know, my eyes are like this big and I'm like trying to figure <laughs> out what's going on. But it happens so fast, you can't see it. And you're like, damn, man, that, that's a whole nother level, you know? Like yeah. I've rolled with a bunch of black belts and they were very good black belts, but that is just a entirely different level of black belt there. It was just wild to see. Man, it's, you know, when I, when I went to go visit uh, the, the other school, um, you know, they're, they're big cap, they're big competition school. So there's, it was their Saturday, no gi competition class. And I was like, okay, I'll, you know, give it a shot. So, I went a couple rounds and I'm just like sucking air. Like I'm, I'm trying to keep up, but I'm like just sucking air. And these, and these, they're just going. Now they're doing like, you know, five, six minute rounds and it's like 10 rounds. So I'm like, all right, man, I can't just keep sitting out rounds. So I'm like dying on the inside, but I'm fighting. <laughs> That's when you learn where to take breaks. Yeah, I know, right? I was like, yeah, I'm just going to do one sit out depends on who i roll with i'm like all right i think i can go again but mm -hmm. man it was a it was a cool experience for sure you yeah. know just to be around like all that atmosphere and that energy of like everybody just want to go 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 and no matter mm -hmm. how like tired i was i was like man i can't let nobody like this guy wants to roll no one's jumping up all right man let me go let me go roll with him so yeah and that's kind of one of the things whenever i talk to somebody about like mat conditioning you know, I always suggest people run. I always suggest you lift. You want to be as functionally fit as possible. But you have to take into account how hard you're working as well. You mm -hmm. know, one of my favorite examples of that is uh, we have a local black belt. He's, shit, man, he's probably a five-stripe black belt now, four-stripe black belt. But he's Brian Miller, and he's competed on the biggest stages around here. And I remember back when I was a blue belt, um, 
me and him rolled and he's just a very fun dude extremely knowledgeable extremely great teacher like he has a very unique teaching style to where he's almost goofy you know what i mean mm-hmm. but like you let him put hands on somebody and you see that he's a very very efficient killer so we're going you know i'm blue belt i'm like 26 27 just best shape of my life you know i can do whatever i want to i can run for 10 miles before i get tired and he is just wearing me out i mean he's talking to me at a competition pace and this at this time he's probably 40 i don't know 42 43 mm-hmm. so like i've got a huge age advantage on him and i'm in the best shape of my life and you know i mean he's just like average joe you know he doesn't work out he doesn't see the benefits of it or any of this stuff and I'm sitting here just going like everything I'm doing is digging hundred mile an hour, just going as hard as I can. And he's having a conversation like we're having right now, but it's because he knows how to frame and he knows what grips to get to stop me from moving. You know, he was way more efficient. I had a ton more, I had a lot more power and speed on him and I had great cardio, but I did not have the efficiency that he had. So mm-hmm. he just get bottom half guard and I would literally just be fighting knees and elbows for like two minutes solid. And he's like, eh, I'm getting bored. I'm just going to take your back. And he took my back and just latched on, you know, and again, I'm going hundred mile an hour and I'm starting to get out of breath. He's like, slow down, man. You're going too hard. I'm like, what else am I supposed to do? Like, I don't, I'm lost right now. <laughs> you know? So, and that's one of the things that I always think back to, you know, you get the big guys that come in and whether they wrestled in college or whatever, and they're just huge, full muscle, ton of power. You know, like, okay, I need to figure out where I'm going to be most effective. And for me, mm-hmm. especially dealing with much larger opponents, bottom half guard is my sweet spot. I get to bottom half guard, I can throw frames on them. I've got back mount opportunities. I've got sweep opportunities. They push in too hard. So I can set a lot of traps there, but I can also take my time and catch my breath. You know, it's pretty hard to smash somebody when they have an effective bottom half guard. Mm-hmm. So I usually go there until I can just open up the back and I'll take the back and I kind of run through the exact same game plan that Brian was doing. And it's just wild because you think about, you know, conditioning is extremely important. But mm-hmm. once you start learning technique, conditioning becomes a little less important. And so, like, kind of as your technique bar goes up, you can allow the conditioning bar to come down a little bit, you know. And it's yeah. pretty wild because now I'm the guy who the big guys come in, get a hold of, and I'm talking to them in the competition or the uh, talking to them in the conversation piece while uh-huh. they're working their tails off. I'm like, ah, there is, there is something to this. How about that? There's, there's been so many days, man, I would be rolling with somebody and they just start singing. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, Wait, are you singing right now? Yeah. <laughs> any any request? <laughs> so actually uh, there's a couple purple belts that I started doing that too. Back when they were like blue belts. You know, I start asking them questions and all that stuff. You know, like would get in there, start rolling. I'm like, how's your day? And then like start talking back to me. But the funny part was when they started talking back to me, their technique would kind of start falling apart because they weren't focusing on the match. <laughs> and whenever they got their purple belt, I was like, I just want to let you know, like you were pushing me pretty hard. That's why I had to disrupt your mental game. So <laughs> they were always like, man, Daniel keeps talking to me. I'm like, yeah, you're smashing the shit out of me. I want you to lose focus for a minute so I can get out of here. That's like one of the um one of the guys I was rolling with at Voyager. Um, you know, we were rolling and you know, after a while you can kind of feel like when someone is like not really pushing yeah. the pace as much. So, you know, we're rolling and I, you know, I had him in like um 
like technical mount a little bit. Mm. So, you know, I, I, I kind of like hunched down in front of him. I was like, hey, look, I know I'm a guest, but, uh, you know, show some love, right? And he just yeah. turned up and it just turned into like an epic ass roll. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, there we go. He's like, yeah, man, you know, he said, appreciate the pep talk. I'm like, no problem. Yeah. Yeah. Some people are like that, man. But like I said, sometimes you just got to disrupt people. And too, like I do that with some people who are like afraid to hurt me. You know, like we've got mm -hmm. some big blue belts in here. When I mean big blue belts, I mean, some of these guys outweigh me by 80 pounds. I mean, they're oh, just yeah. very large dudes, you know, and they get very used to rolling easy with people. So their top side control, like they have weight on their knee, weight on their elbow because they're giant humans, you know. You roll with a white belt like that, you're going to break them. So we get in there, and one of the uh, big boys' name's Alex. And Alex was a correctional officer, and he was also a high school wrestler. I don't think he wrestled oh. in college. He was a high school wrestler. And, I mean, when he first came to us, he was, like, pushing 270, you know. I mean, 260-ish mm -hmm. now. And with his wrestling background, he moved like he was 200 pounds, man. He was scary. I mean, he could drop step in the blink of an eye and have you on a single. Oh, man. I mean, just one of those insane people that it was – like, you see him do stuff, and you don't understand how gravity would allow it, you know? <laughs> right. But we would go, and, like, you know, me and him would start going at it, and, like, I noticed he was putting weight on his elbow and his knee whenever he'd get into, like, reverse sit and side control. I'm like, Alex, mm -hmm. man, like, pick it up. Like, I don't care. He's like, well, well I don't want to be a dick. I'm like, dude, you ain't going to be a dick. Like, it's okay, man. Like, you can try to smash me. I promise I'll tap. I'm not going to let you hurt me, you know? Mm -hmm. He's like, okay. And then he, like, just pulled the knee and elbow out. I'm like, Jesus, why did I even say anything? like, shit. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, God. Okay, Alex, you're about to break me. But, no, he's, he's literally one of my favorite training partners. But it's just because everything has to be clean. You know what I mean? If you yeah. hit Alex with a scissor sweep, it's because your technique was perfect. Your timing was perfect. Like, he's not going to give you anything, and he's so big that it takes everything. You can't just pick him up with your legs, you know. I roll with somebody yeah. my size, I can kind of ragdoll him because I'm used to dealing with these bigger guys. But with them, and like I said, we've got four or five of those guys to where, like, it's everything I can do to hit him with a scissor sweep. If I don't chop his bottom leg out and use perfect technique, he's not going anywhere. It's like yeah. I'm a freaking column that's holding the roof up, you know. Same thing with the elevator sweep. Same thing with taking the back. Like when Alex first came here, um, me and him would roll, and I would catch him a couple of times around because I would just go bottom half guard, duck out the back door, take his back, and strangle him. He's like, man, how do I stop people from taking my back? So I started talking to him about like elbow position, you know, like keeping that elbow in front of the hip or in front of the shoulder and stopping it. And I'll be damned if he didn't pick it up within like two days and I couldn't take his back. Yeah, I'm telling you. God, I just ruined the linchpin that I had <laughs> to take this guy's back. I just taught him how to stop it. Now I can do nothing with him. So a couple weeks later, I had to, okay, I got to develop a new plan to try to deal with Alex. So, And it was pretty cool. You know I mean? It made my back takes a lot more strict because I had mm -hmm. to be more technical because I showed him how to stop people from taking his back, you know? Yeah. And uh, one of my favorite quotes is by Kurt, or, uh, Kurt Osiander. And he said that jujitsu is basically like teaching snakes how to bite you. And I'm like, it's, that's exactly what it is. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm doing stuff to you, and then we show how to shut it down, and then I can't do that anymore. So I got to either A, switch to a different technique and try to develop that game plan, or B, I try to work through the reverse of the reverse to try to get mm -hmm. back to the original game plan, you know?
Yeah. And that's how it's been with uh, our blue belt, Scott. Uh, awesome guy. Uh, and it's like with him, jujitsu really just started to click. So he started to like really pick up. So, you know, every time we were like, we've been rolling and, you know, he's a, he's a fairly large guy. He can move, he can move for a big guy. And he would go, you know, he would go side control, but he would blade his body off. And I, I would sweep him every single time. And he was like, man, what? he said, I, he said, for some odd reason, I, I, I keep getting swept. Like you just catch me every single time. So I'm like, all right, let me show you what you did. You know, your your body position was wrong. We fixed this, blah, blah, blah. And then we rolled again and he instantly remembered and I paid for it. I was like, mm, nah, I should not have taught you this this fast. <laughs> in a matter of like a, you know, in a matter of like a couple minutes, like it was like the small stuff that we worked on, it evolved so much. Just in that little small little tidbit, but at the same time, it made me like, okay, now that he knows this stuff, he's more aware. Now I gotta, you know, hunch up my game a little bit more. But you know, it just it just makes both of us better, right? Yeah, and that's what you're looking for, you know. And one of the things that I did uh, whenever I was at Purple Belt, one of my best friends, he started. Actually, I was Blue Belt whenever he started with us. I finally talked to one of my friends into doing it, and his name was Billy, and he was about the same build as me, you know, close to the same height about the same body weight. So I literally like taught him all of my tricks. And that way I had somebody to sharpen the knife against, you know, like if mm-hmm. I teach you all my dirty tricks, they don't work against you. I got to figure out other stuff or I make it better. And he ended up quitting at blue belt. Like most people do. And yeah. now I've got these uh, two blue belts that are coming up. One of them is George and same thing. He's a little bit thinner than me, but he's about the same height. He's a triangling machine. I mean, this dude mm. has, he uh, did Tai Chi and um, Kempo before coming here, and he's also a yogi. So he has very mobile oh, hips. So he is just a triangle machine. So him and I got another blue belt who I do a ton of private lessons with, Timmy. I literally teach them everything, like every small trick, the smallest detail. I teach them. That way, every time I roll with them, they know exactly how to shut it down, and it forces me to kind of change direction, you know? With uh, I'm sure you feel this way too. With me being an instructor, I don't get to many of my instructors' classes, so I'm kind of responsible for my own training at this point. So every month mm-hmm. I give myself a goal, you know. And like this month, I'm just escaping triangles. You know, I let people get the guard. I'll kind of like feed them a triangle. I don't give them a triangle because I don't want them to know what's going on. So I'll kind of mm-hmm. like feed them a triangle, see if they figure it out. If they figure it out. I do my early escapes. I do my late escapes. And then we move on. Next person, you know, yeah. I'll kind of feed them a triangle. That way they get to work their triangle entries, but I get to take the finish away from them. Hopefully, sometimes I don't. Right. Sometimes but, we don't, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the bad part about jujitsu that instructors don't want to admit is jujitsu works on them too, you know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but no, man, it like I roll with zero ego. I've had many white belts tap me out. I got tapped out by probably four or five white belts last week. So I don't, mm-hmm. I don't care about any of that stuff. But yeah, every month I kind of set a little goal for myself. And like I said, with Timmy and George, I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to make the elevator sweep on both of them. I'm going to make it work on both of them this week. Like, I know they know how to shut it down. I know they know how to enter into Ashigurami off of it. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to start playing with it and see if I can feed it to them, make them react and then hit them with it, you know? So it's pretty cool that I taught them how to shut down all my stuff. Like other people, you know, I still kind of work on that stuff and designing new game plans. But with them, they know exactly what I'm going for every time I go somewhere. 
So it's like you're fighting educated resistance the entire way, you know? Yeah. It's like a, they're like your walking journal in a yeah, sense, basically. because like, yeah. yeah, you're pouring all your knowledge and, you know, and wisdom into them. And it's like, okay, it's like rereading everything you went over, basically. Mm -hmm. Like everything you written down, you rereading it. Cause my uh, training partner, Brian, same way with me. Like we will roll a lot. He'll teach me what he, you know, what I keep, keep getting caught with. So my game got better. So he had to evolve his game. And now we're passing that same wisdom down to like the newer generation in our, in our class, in our you know schools. And it's like, damn, these dudes are getting good real fast, too fast. <laughs> yeah. But that's how it should be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. all of my blue belts would have whooped my ass at blue belt. You know, but that's how you want it. Like you always want yeah. you know, teach your your uh, students to be better than you. You know, what I mean, if they're mm -hmm. growing at a slow pace, then that's my fault. You know, but right. whenever I was at Blue Belt, I remember how I was. I remember how good I was. I remember what my faults were and the areas I need to develop. So I make sure that my Blue Belts don't have those gaps in their mm -hmm. development, you know. And like with every class, I try to give them you know, your normal two to three techniques. We talk about a couple of what ifs and then we go on with it. We kind of figure out how it fits into the puzzle for each individual student. But at the mm -hmm. same time, I want my blue belts to be better than me at blue belt. And I want their blue yeah. belts to be even better than them at blue belt. That's how we keep jujitsu strong. And that's how jujitsu should be taught. You know, there was this yeah. weird, there was this weird area from where jujitsu was kind of the, unsung martial art to where everybody was fighting everybody was grinding to where it became okay this is pretty popular now and everybody's kind of like looking more towards the competition side of things over the you know self-defense slash mma style things where you know i don't want to say it got softer but it got a little less i don't know what to call it we'll just say a little softer you know what i mean like yeah a little, more, watered down a little, a little bit yeah a little watered down yeah that's a good term mm -hmm. for it we had a couple of mcdojos coming through and becoming mainstream got a little watered down and now it's kind of on the point now to where it's growing back up and becoming a true fighting art again yeah and i'm not one of those people who think there's a big difference between like competition and self-defense jujitsu you know what I mean? If you throw in bites and eye gouges and punches, it's still going to lead to whoever's in the better position. And if mm -hmm. you know competition jujitsu, you're going to be in the better position. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, competition jujitsu is literally just so you can beat people who are at your level, not beat the average goober who attacks people on the streets. <laughs> right. And so I, I don't like when people <laughs> split off competition jujitsu from self-defense jujitsu because you know even though keenan cornelius has never had an mma fight i think he would do okay against the average purse jacker you know i think he'd be i think he'll handle himself very well yeah yeah zero issue you know i mean he has yeah. a great open guard i think he'd be extremely hard to hit in the face you know mm -hmm. i mean he knows how to protect himself and he knows how to manipulate somebody else like a rag doll so i don't think he'd have too much issue with it but no and like just like i was talking about i think it's pretty cool that everything kind of comes and goes in waves, you know, mm -hmm. and over the next 10 years, it may go in another wave to where it is more competition heavy and a little less self-defense heavy and all that stuff. But it could also go to where most academies start adding striking back into it. You know, we have a yeah. striking program and we have a grappling program, but even with that, we teach in a seven week cycle. So the first week of every cycle is standing. And we mm -hmm. throw in, like, here's how you dodge or dodge or parry in overhand right. 
you know, here's how you deal with a standing choke. Here's how you deal with somebody trying to push you with a two-handed shove. You know, we, we go off a lot of that stuff, and that way they still get the self-defense aspect into it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we um we incorporate a lot of uh, self-defense, well, striking in our in our uh, classes as well. So, because, you know, that's that's uh, a big part of our, our, our um, promotion tests. You know, we yeah. – we have to do a self-defense portion um, where, you know, it's, it's one-on-one and then we do a two-on-one portion. So, yeah, we, we work on how to, you know, defend against someone punching you. Uh, someone's trying to attack you from certain angles. So, because mm-hmm. our, you know, that motto is if you can't do it in the gym, you can't do it in the street. That's true. So, you That's know, we true. train like we fight. So when we throw punches, we're not, you know, it depends on the belt rank, obviously, but yeah. If you're a little higher, we're not going to pull that punch that much. You're mm. going to get hit. You're going to feel it. So nice. Now, do y'all do tests at every level? Mm-hmm. Do you? Okay, gotcha. Yeah. We uh before we never did any belt testing whatsoever. We would just you know promote on merit. But here lately, we've been implementing a test at blue belt, and you know going up to blue belt just means you have fundamental knowledge of most positions. So that's mm-hmm. what we kept it to. You know, every place. If you're in non-dominant position, you should know three escapes or sweeps. And if you're in dominant position, you should know at least three submissions, you know, three takedowns, just very stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah. at Purple Belt, we kind of give people a quest. So, like, going from blue to purple, you know, we had a uh, excellent wrestler in here, um, very decorated collegiate wrestler, and his quest was close guard everything. So, like, he had to teach us sweeps from closed guard. He had talked to us about, like, the concept of what you want to do with your closed guard. Every non-dominant escape had to be back to closed guard. Like, he's one of those guys you couldn't hold down from side control if you wanted to, but he was going right back to his feet. You know, like, Mm -hmm. he basically just got all the way through blue belt with having one or two small tools from guard. Because he was Uh such a good wrestler, he never found himself on his back that often, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're like, cool. If you want a purple belt, this is your quest. You have to break down everything from close guard. We want to see chokes, back takes, sweeps, everything that you can possibly do from there. And you're going to teach classes on it. So that was kind of his way of getting his purple belt. And we've been doing that pretty, uh, pretty long time now. I want to say about a year and a half, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So it's been good because it really makes him kind of responsible for his own training as well. I mean, don't get me wrong. We mm-hmm. still like taught the closed guard classes to him and stuff, but he really had to take a deeper dive than just the entry level us teaching class and him rolling with it. He had to start looking for his own information, bringing in new submissions, bringing in new gripping strategies for sweeps and escapes and that type of stuff. Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. I mean, yeah, yeah that's, very unique. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think it worked well for us. We didn't want to do testing, but we started getting to the point to where we had blue belts who were excellent grapplers, but, you know, they get to bottom half guard and couldn't do shit. You know, somebody yeah. would get on their back and they couldn't get out. And I'm like, well, he's obviously a blue belt. He just don't know how to get out. He don't get his back taken that often. You know, he's he's got pretty good guard, so he doesn't really get his back taken that often. So when he gets there, he's kind of stuck. And I'm like, You're yeah, right. but, you know, that's – what if he has to teach a fundamentals class and we're on back week, you know, like we couldn't have upper belts with those types of gaps. So that's when we start implementing like a true test. And it takes about, I'd say two hours 
Yeah. And like I said, there's no rolling or anything. It's just, all right, starting in close guard. I want to see three sweeps, you know, at least one gi and at least one no gi sweep. And then we go from there and they have to walk it through or uh, walk us through it. They can't just like do it. Like, cool. There's a scissor sweep. It's like, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. Start out. What grips are we getting? Awesome. What's your hips doing? Cool. What is your opponent's shoulders doing? You know, like you have to be able to break it down every step of the way, just like you were teaching a class. And that's how we yeah. started pushing that through. Yeah, that's that's how our our test kind of goes, um, depending mm -hmm. on like what belt. If you're going from white to blue, you know, each each rank has like a, uh, a set amount of uh, techniques we have to show. You know, obviously okay. the higher the higher the uh, rank, the more you have to show. But yeah. as a white as you run white to blue, we're not expecting you to like be very technical with the okay. technique. If we get you yeah. if we can see that you have a, a, a nice understanding of it. Mm. Cool. Like if the scissor sweep is a little sloppy, we're not going to be like, no, do it over. I got you. But as the ranks goes up, it's like, all right, if you're going to do the scissor sweep, like you said, you know, explain the importance of this position, that position, this position, or, you know, where your opponent is. If, what if their arm is a certain position, like, you know, you just can't just go straight to it. You have to really show that you know how to do this. Exactly. So it's it's not for the weak, you know. No. So, <clears throat> and that's one thing that people don't understand with jujitsu is, especially like newer belts coming in. You know, I tell them how long I've been doing it. They're like, oh wow, what belt are you? I'm like Brown. I'm like, you're not a black belt yet. I'm like, yeah, this this stuff ain't easy. <laughs> like, it, it ain't easy. It's natural, yeah. <laughs> no, and especially when you get those people, uh, those you know, the white belts that come in, and you know, they think they just own the world that yeah man I, I should be this stripe or i should have this or i should have that or why i ain't get this or why i ain't get that and like my instructor was talking about that he said from he's like you know those are the type of people you want to ask them like okay what belt do you think you should be and you say oh i think i should be a purple belt all right i'm gonna give you this purple belt oh, and then God. we're gonna roll then we're gonna roll if you can finish me or you can show me that you're a, brown, a purple belt, you can keep the purple belt. Other than that, you're going to take this white belt and you're going to learn just like how, and you're going to grind like how everybody else got it. Yeah. <laughs> no, we got it, that annoys me so much, man. Yeah. Well, like, I can see that part of it, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it doesn't really annoy me because they don't, you know, you don't know what you don't know. You know right. what I mean? And we've had that issue too. And usually it's from past martial artists, you know, mm -hmm. like maybe they were a black belt in karate or Taekwondo or something like that. And they think, Oh, I'm black belt in karate. So I should be at least like a blue belt in jujitsu. I'm like, no, those are two completely different arts. Right. You know, same thing. Like if I were to join karate right now, I would be a white belt. I don't know anything about your system. I know how to throw right. a punch and a kick, but you know, so we had a couple of those guys come in. They're like, well, I'm not a white belt. I'm not brand new. I'm like, you're you're new, dude. You're, like, you're pretty brand new. You don't have a stripe yet. Like, it's okay. I'm like, well, I think I should be a blue belt. And I'm like, well, cool. Go put hands on one of these blue belts over here and let me know how that works out with you. You know, like, you want, you think you're a blue belt. Find one of those guys that's close to your size and get around him with them. Mm -hmm. You know, like, if you think you're a purple belt, cool. Go put hands on purple belt. Let me know how that turns right. out. For you. You're going to feel yeah. the difference between a blue belt and a purple belt. Mm -hmm. And we had this one kid who came in, and he's 19, 20, never did martial arts before. And I was talking to him, and he wants to start doing MMA. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, cool. So you have, you know, you join a striking program, MMA gym, or what? 
He said, yeah, I've got a couple of friends that fight amateur MMA. and They're working with me. I'm like, cool. He's like, yeah, man, I just want to join with y'all. I want to be a purple belt in a year. I'm like, that's, no. that's ambitious, my friend. It's hell. <laughs> He's like, nah, man, I'm doing like four or five days a week. I'm like, I understand. But like getting from nothing to purple belt in a year, like there's maybe a handful of people who have done that. Like I've never seen that happen personally. And I know some damn good grapplers that came in man. right off the bat, you know? Yeah, talk to me about that. I'm like, man, good luck. I hope it works out well for you. He's <laughs> like, well, what can you do? I was like, there is nothing I can do. Like, I can give you a purple belt right now, but you ain't gonna like it. <laughs> but he just kept on, and I'm like, dude, I'm like, every single round you put in while you were in this room, you roll with nothing below a blue belt. Like, I never want to see you in my class wrong with a white belt again. And let's see how that works out for you. Right. He's like, okay, cool. Literally before the end of that class, he had to quit. Like, we do usually three to four rounds towards the end. I think he made it through two or three rounds. And he's just on the sideline with this broken look on his face. And I'm like, dude, like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be an asshole, man. Like, you're a good kid, but, like, you can't. Like, I'm sorry. What do you, what do you expect? He just expected since he was young and athletic and he had been training with his MMA buddies that he would know how to do this stuff. And I'm like, MMA grappling is very different than jujitsu grappling. You know, obviously mm-hmm. you have different things to go towards, but at the same time, man, you can't get that kind of experience in a year. I mean, unless you literally like hire one of the Brazilian black belts to live in your house and train you man. seven days a week, like you're, you're not, it's not going to happen. It's really not. And he had no grappling experience previously. He wasn't like a, you know, a good high school or collegiate wrestler. And two, like we've had some high level wrestlers come in here and it still took him about a year to get a blue belt. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's a lot of difference between it, but he said, get a purple belt in a year. I was purple. like, Oh, no, that ain't wow. going to happen, man. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I admire your tenacity. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I will help you any way I can, but I'll go ahead and tell you. Then you'll get a purple if, I belt can, in a year. if I can help you get a purple belt in a year, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh, wow. That says a lot. But like I said, he just he didn't understand. Like, you know, he watch, you know, me roll with him and then watch me roll with the blue and purple belts. And he's like, Oh, I do about as good as them. I'm like, Well, yeah, like I gave you a lot of stuff. I want you to learn. Like, you're not right. going to learn too much if I go and give you my brown belt game every time me and you roll together. You know, like, mm-hmm. I have to help you kind of learn and go through the movements. With these guys, I'm not helping them as much. You know, I'm pulling a little bit. But, and with me, like, normally when I'm rolling my students, it's about, I don't know, maybe 40%. You know, when I roll with people at brown belt, I'm only giving about 60%. I'm a pretty lazy grappler in the first place. Mm-hmm. But, you know, me going 100%, I don't see that much return on the investment. You know, I just get tired faster. I'm more of uh, I'm going to lay back and get my grips, let them make a mistake, kind of capitalize on it. So I'm more of like a, a counter grappler than an active mm. grappler. You know, it's just like right. I said, it's always worked out better for me because I'm usually one of the smaller guys in class. So mm. if I'm pushing, I'm going shoulder to shoulder, pushing on these guys, I'm going to get way more tired than they are way faster. So I just kind of lay back, let them mess up a little bit. Whenever uh, one of my favorite training partners, Adam, he's uh, another brown belt here, maybe once a month. All right, all right, let's do it. Like mm-hmm. ADCC championship round. Like, let's just go hard as shit and see what happens. But like I said, we do that like once a month and that's it. Other than yeah, that, I, I'm just chill. 
ironically, we have a brown belt named Adam, and, uh, <laughs> and we, me and him, roll like that, man. You know, we have those, we'll have those days where we just like we'll be chilling. We'll be at his place. We'll be chilling. And like, hey, man, you want to roll? Roll the mats out, and we were rolling right there in the middle of the living room. And I don't know what it is, but it's like around certain people that you roll with, your your flow rolls oh, always yeah. rev up. They always rev up. Like <laughs> it's him, uh, the uh, and my other training partner Brian, who's also a brown belt. And we we always talk about like, yeah, man, you, let's flow roll. And we and I look at him like, come on, bro, is it really a flow roll? He's like, yeah, we we can flow roll. I'm like, we can't. Let's let's not let's let's be honest, bro. We we gonna start a flow roll, then someone gonna get caught in something, or somebody gonna get frustrated, and then we just gonna fall out, try to kill each other. It always happens. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But now nah, me and me and Adam, like we uh, I try to hold people to their word when I say that. Like we start flow rolling, and they start bumping it up and bumping it up and bumping it up. I'm just like, hey, this ain't flow anymore. I'm like, nah, man, it's just flow rolling. I'm like, why are you out of breath? This ain't flow rolling anymore. You know? Why are you sweating, right? <laughs> yeah. But with me and Adam, like every time we go, we know like it's flow roll. Like we're gonna be as technical as possible and see what we can make happen. But yeah. too, like, you know, I trust Adam in my life, literally. So whenever we're going just full out for five minutes, I mean slamming each other, digging in hard. Also, you know, I've got Kimuras at that speed. And as soon as he tapped, I instantly let it go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I would rather hurt myself than risk injuring him. And whenever you're going that hard on somebody on a regular basis, you have to trust that they're not just going to get a hold of the heel hook and then blow your knee out. You know? Yeah. So I have very few training partners that I trust going that hard on. And like I said, with very me, very few. Yeah. He's older than me. I thought I'm going to say he's probably late thirties. I'm in my mid And like I said, just the random injuries that I've had from just, you know, different sporting events, jujitsu, everything else, man. I don't trust. Like, I would never go that hard with most of my blue belts because I know they would just get no. excited and they would pop stuff. But with Adam and with Beber and a couple of the other higher belt, purple belt, purple belt and up, I'm like, cool, man. Like, we can go as hard as possible, and I trust them to let something go before they just tear it off, you know. Yeah. So with Adam, I give him my full trust, man. We will go as hard as possible. We've ran each other off the mats into the brick wall before, like just digging for stuff and going hard. But, you know, as soon as they get locked up in a submission, you yell tap. There's just instant let go. There's yeah. no, like, nah, I'm going to keep pushing a little bit, you know? Yeah, so those two cool. guys, yeah, those two guys I mentioned, is uh, they're in that same boat. Like, I know mm -hmm. for a fact that if we was to go zero, 100, 200%, I know I'm not gonna walk away with an injury. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah, they, you know, if they lock something up, as soon as they go to tap, the instant let go, or if they go for like a leg lock of some sort, they don't just, you know, crank it in. So it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, man, trust these guys. Trust these guys in my life for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's good to have those. Like I said, you can't have everybody in the academy like that, unfortunately. But no, I mean, you have to have that. And you know, on the other side of things, I can't tell you how many submissions I've literally just let go of rolling with a white mm -hmm. belt. You know? You mm -hmm. get them locked up in a Kimura, and they're like, cool, I'll just shoulder roll. And you're like, whoa, what are you doing? No, you're going to blow your own damn shoulder out, dude. Calm down. Like, please uh, don't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but every time, man, like usually once a week, I have to like literally just throw something away so they won't hurt themselves. I'm like, dude, don't do that. Like, you have to finish them. 
Yeah. Like, oh, you have to finish a submission before they kill themselves. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I mean, not only that, like, there was uh, one kid, like, I get him in a heel hook, you know? Like, whenever we're doing nogi, I'll still kind of play around with Ashigurami and stuff on white belts. I usually don't finish it. But I got to inside Ashi, and I had his toes in my armpit. And I was basically going to, like, mock going for the heel hook and then pass the foot over and then go to back off of that and see if I could work my way into truck. Mm-hmm. So, like, I get his toes in my armpit, and before I even touch his heel, he just, like, 180 to bear crawl. And as soon as he shot to 180, I literally had to grab his ankle with both hands and, like, just hold it out in front of me to make sure that he didn't break his own knee. I'm like, what are you yeah. doing? He's like, I got out. I'm like, no, you didn't. No. <laughs> if I wouldn't have let go of your foot, you would be on your way to the hospital right now. He's like, yeah. wait, what do you mean? So, like, I pulled him back into it, and I was like, all right, we're going to do this slowly. Now go 180. As soon as he went 180 and started bear crawl, I was like, oh, God, that's really tight. I was like, yeah, you were about to hit that at 60 mile an hour earlier. Like, yeah. you got to be very cautious whenever you do this stuff. Yeah, we, I was. I, there's been a couple of times I've rolled with uh, this one white belt, and I usually don't play, you know, hunt legs or anything like that, but mm. just we were just messing around, and I, you know, had a, a heel hook, and I didn't lock it in. But he goes to roll hard mm. and try to snatch his leg out. And I literally let go. And he's like, you know, he's like, I like I got out. And everyone's looking around the room like, dude, he just saved your leg. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, dude, he's going to blow your knee out. No, man, I was I was getting out. No, if I would have held on like I was, we you we'd be taking to the emergency room right now. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that I don't get it. But yeah. Nah, and I mean, some people, you know, like I said, they just don't know what they don't know. You know, I've had a couple white belts locked out, just dead to rights on armbar. You already see, like, the elbows hyperextended, you know, and you're, like, sitting there, and you got full control over your shoulder lines, so you're good, and then they, like, go up and try to stack you. I'm like, stacking you ain't going to get this out, dude. Like, your elbow's fully locked out, and they just stack you and just start shaking Shake up and it, down. Yeah. I'm not going anywhere, man. Just tap. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> like, you want me to shoot my hips in further? <laughs> Like you've already shown, I don't care if you pick me up from this position, your elbow's not gonna bend again. Like just, just tap, man. It's like, nah, right. they still get out. Okay, well, keep going. So, be be my guest, be yeah. my guest, man. But um, so we have a uh a, a talk your jits podcast uh, question. That okay. We ask everybody. Uh, <clears throat> so your top three people you would like to roll with? Oh man. This is going to be a weird list, but Jocko Willink, Tim Kennedy, and Donald Cerrone. But you had them, though. You thought yeah. about this. Oh, I've thought about this. I've got a list <laughs> in my top ten, man. I've been fortunate enough to roll with uh, probably three or four on my top ten so far. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I'm happy with that, but no, easily top three. I've heard terrible, terrible things about Jocko Willink and Tim Kennedy. Just like I've got friends that have trained with them, and they're like, it's literally just like being mauled by a gorilla. Like, <laughs> insane pressure. And Donald Cerrone has always been my favorite MMA fighter. So I would yeah. love it. And he's a black belt in jujitsu as well, you know? So I'd love to get around in with him. I think he's one of the For most sure. awesome people on the planet. Yeah, those, I don't know what it is about those, like, you like those just like ravaging like jujitsu players where it's like, you know, you're going to be eaten alive. As soon as you as soon as you hit the mask, but you want to experience that so bad. But too, like that's their personality. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like everything about Tim Kennedy and Jocko Willink is just intensity. I mean, you mm-hmm. listen to like their various podcasts and just see what they do in their everyday life. And like Tim Kennedy is literally more athlete than he is human. You know, mm-hmm. every time he posts something about him working out or hunting or shooting, or, he's just such an intense guy. And from what I've heard, that's how he rolls as well. You know, and Jocko Willink is one of the most determined people on the planet. So I think it would be extremely hard to stop him whenever he got his mindset <laughs> to get to a position. So I just think it'd be awesome to roll with either one of those two. And like I said, Cerrone, you know, before he retired, he was fighting around 170, walking around like 185. So he's about my mm-hmm. size. I think he's two inches taller than me. But yeah, I just okay. think that would be an awesome roll as well. Definitely, man. What's Definitely. your top three? Um, my top three, <clears throat> it, it <clears throat> excuse me, it, it jumps around so much, but, mm. um, one person in my top three was Khabib. <clears throat> oh God. That, about crush that crazy, pressure. <laughs> yeah, that, cr- that crazy wrestling pressure, man. It's, it's like, I see it. It's like, I want to, I want to experience it so bad just to yeah. see. Um, it's always been Andre Galval is another mm. guy. Andre would be fun. Andre would be fun because it's just um, like the way he moves that size. Hmm. It's just always been like I admire that so much. And uh, Ryan Hall. Ryan Hall would be a fun one too. Yeah. I do think he it would was, be good. It was a toss-up between Ryan Hall and uh, Brandon Ortega. Yeah, I can see that too, man. I mean, you know, it's like I've, I've you know, just some like linky guys I've always had trouble with. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, you know, just really want to see like a high level guy who's like got linky limbs and see what it can be, you know, I can do. But yeah, yeah that's kind of like my my list. <clears throat> for sure. That's pretty cool. So, yeah, I think Galval, I think he would be a pretty fun person to roll with, too. I don't know that I would want Galval in like competition mode. No, like, you know, like just regular <laughs> no. gym rolling mode. Yeah. Yeah. Galval in competition mode, man. He will. He would ragdoll me with one hand. I mean, I've seen is. this man dance on people. I've... Yeah. <laughs> but um, man, if you um, yeah, man. So if you got anything else you're working on or you work on, man, you know, uh, definitely shout that out. Shout your school out. Cool. Um, I know you say you don't compete, but you know, if you got anything coming up, man, the floor is still yours. <clears throat> I got you. But yes, I'm at Phoenix Jiu-Jitsu. Um, check us out. We got a YouTube page that we add to sporadically. Um, you can also check out Daniel Friedel on YouTube. I've got a YouTube channel. I've got a website in the making. Um, I've got currently four books out on Amazon. My first book was actually um, Jits Fit, and it was resistance training for grapplers. So a lot of okay. exercises that went around increasing your athleticism on the mats, especially with grip strength, cardiovascular conditioning, and um, basically just helping out with functional fitness. You know, anytime you're looking at sports-inspired training, it's always going to revolve around how functionally fit you are for that sport. So that's Mm -hmm. what the book was on. Um, The second edition that has Phoenix Fit. So I updated it with some more mobility and stretching stuff because that's one of the feedbacks or – some of the feedback that I got from it was they would really like some in-depth stretching to go along with the program. Um, other than that, a lot of my programs involve kettlebells just for the exact same reason. I mean, grip strength and learning how to make your body flow from one thing to the next. And uh, there's been a couple kettlebell flows that I've designed over the years that really mimic 
the type of like smoking you get on the mats, you know, holding stuff in the rack position, putting pressure on your diaphragms or your diaphragm and your abs to where you can really mock that being smashed pressure while you're doing walking lunges, carries, all types mm. of stuff. So a lot of my work is towards the functional fitness side of things and towards the kettlebell side of things. Hey, but, that that definitely piqued my interest. I'm gonna have to, <laughs> I'm gonna have to get uh, look into those, man. Yeah, man, check it out. And if you're a professional yourself, uh, my third book was on my entire system of personal training. It's called Training mm-hmm. Trainers, and it's really like an instruction manual for how to be a personal trainer. You know, I've been doing it full time for over uh, coming up on ten years now. About nine and a half years, I've been a full time personal trainer. So, like I said, I'm at the gym literally all day long. The jujitsu mats are. 20 feet below me so whenever somebody like texts me hey man i got a day off you want to get some rounds in i'm like yes yes i do i'll be ready in five minutes (laughs) come on (laughs) so it's just it's fun man but like you look at every other personal training book on the market it's all about social media marketing and how to get Mm -hmm. clients in the door and how to sell online programs but they don't really tell you what to do once you get clients in the door so that's what book that i wrote was your actual skills of how to program, how to, you know, work around other trainers in the gym, whether you want to start working at a big box gym like a Gold's or if you want to start working at a personal studio like we have here. You know, like my mm-hmm. gym, five o'clock on a Monday, there might be six people in here because we don't have open gym hours. It's only for clients and their trainers and we only do small group training. So whenever okay. you come in here to work out, you're not moving around 30, 40 different people. Mm, nice. That's, that's awesome, man. Thank very, you. Very awesome. Yeah, I had fun with it, man. Like I said, I grew <clears> up a book nerd. So <throat> I always wanted to write a book, and I started a blog, and I started getting a ton of questions off of the blog, and I'm like, you know what? This is the opportunity for me to write the book I've been wanting to write. <laughs> so there it is. That's why I ran there it. There it is. Yep. Man, that sounds good. But, uh, yeah, uh, well, that's the end of today's episode. I would like to thank Daniel again for coming on and blessing us with his his many, 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 many talents, as you can see. Uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, so please go and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube pages to stay updated on all future episodes. This has been Talk Your Jits Podcast. Keep rolling, keep grinding, and remember, long live jujitsu. Have a great day. Thank you, sir. And we're done. <laughs>